Welcome to Weed Week. I'm Alex Hopper. Danelle is up reporting in Northern California, so we'll hear more from him next week. This is the Weed Week podcast. You can also subscribe to our free newsletters, Weed Week, Weed Week California, and Weed Week Canada at weedweek.net. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Weed Week News. Got any feedback? Write to us at hello at weedweek.net. Today we've got an interview with California activist and entrepreneur Tamara Pettigrew. But first, a bit of news, also from the Golden State. So California has too much weed, according to a study by a company called Vessel Logistics and published in the written up in the Sacramento Bee. It found that there are more than 1,100 acres of legal cannabis farms here in California capable of growing 9 million pounds of weed, which is several times as much as the market can bear. And that's just the legal market. But just the legal market is sort of what matters. I mean, this has become a huge problem in Oregon, where they reportedly have enough product for the state to consume for seven years, which, given the propensities of Oregonians, is is a lot of weed. But this has made it exceedingly difficult to make money as as a pot farmer, or make legal money anyway, because there's just too much. The prices can collapse, and there are real risks of potentially this this happening in in california as well so it seems like the state isn't really accounting for how much farmers can produce when they're they're giving out licenses at the same time it's extremely hard for dispensaries and in much of the state to get licenses so you have you have a glut of producers and in many parts of the state a shortage of of sellers so you know if dispensaries can't operate legally and farmers can't get a decent price one wonders who's who's able to make money. So a lot of folks are looking to Sacramento for salvation for some sort of legislation. But uh, in the meantime, I suppose, you know, do, do what you can to help the California industry and, and smoke up. <laughs> Today's guest is Tamara Pettigrew. She's a businesswoman and activist who's involved in the networking company Women Grow. And she's on Instagram at the Cannabis Cutie. She she has several different interesting angles for us. First of all, she's she's a mom who's involved with cannabis, and this raises interesting issues in affluent and until recently Republican Orange County. Um, so she she deals with with parents who may may use cannabis but are still in the green closet, as well as some parents who who are pretty wary of the stuff. Additionally. Her former husband, Brandon Pettigrew, was a tight end for the Detroit Lions for several years and has had a, a couple of run-ins with the law since leaving the league. So like a lot of people familiar with, with the NFL, she thinks cannabis can be, can be a beneficial force in former players' lives and has seen that up close and, and, and personal. So here's Tamara. A lot of people call me the cannabis cutie. Why do they call you that? I can't imagine why they would call you the cannabis cutie. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, just a small, cute girl who likes to talk about cannabis facts. So that's right, where cool. that idea got started. Um, I did get my MBA from the University of Miami, graduated last year. But you're from here, right? um, I was born in San Diego, yes. Okay, circuitous so um, route back home, right? Yeah, but I did leave when I was seven and grew up in Oklahoma. Mm. Yeah. So, okay, coming from Oklahoma, how did that plan to your feelings about pot um so growing up i listened to darren the lion um the dare mascot and i believed Wait, him. what <laughs> do you remember darren the lion the dare mascot i remember dare yeah i believed what he told me about cannabis and that it would ruin my life and so i listened yeah until i got to oklahoma state mm-hmm. and that's yeah. probably how it goes so uh, what yes. were your first experiences then Um, You know, so I lived on a floor where it was culture shock. I was extremely stressed out my freshman year at Oklahoma State. Wait, what's the source of the culture culture shock stress? Uh, So in Oklahoma City, where I grew up, it is um, the neighborhood that I grew up is predominantly Latino and black. Hmm. um, And a huge portion of that Latino population is actually undocumented. So I remember um, over 70% of my high school was undocumented. Wow. So when I went to Oklahoma State, (laughs) I think it was 6% Latino on campus. Hmm. And I believe 92 or 93% Caucasian. Mm -hmm. So I was extremely stressed out with the culture and I felt different there and not in a good way. So I have to ask because I'm I'm reckless this way. Are you Latina? I am Puerto Rican. Yeah. Yay. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We've I don't know if we've had a Puerto Rican guest in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know there was a population of Puerto Rican people in Oklahoma. There aren't, right? No, I would be the only one. <laughs> so, <laughs> in the entire state. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, very minimal. So my mom, we moved there with her um, at the time, long-term boyfriend. So that's how we ended up there. Okay. Yeah. So you. You were married to a, a former football, an NFL player. Yes. And now you're you're a mom in Orange County. Yes. And can you tell us a bit about your hustle? What's your Green Rush hustle? My Green Rush hustle is the business aspect. So there are a lot of people in the industry that know a great deal about cannabis, how to grow it, but they don't know that much about compliance, um, how to market it, finance, any of those aspects. I'm an educator for Women Grow, and Women Grow is actually a larger organization um, that they connect and inspire and empower women that are in the cannabis industry. And so I got my start with them when I went to their leadership summit um, and seeing so many women there, so many different types of women from different types of places, all with cannabis businesses and succeeding and a lot of canicurious people there too, meaning they want to be in the industry, but they just don't know in what aspect. And I, w- I fell into that category when hmm. I was there. I'm only going to ask you to go back because I think it's interesting. You, you, you said that at Oklahoma State, you just experimented and then you end up being this person who actually goes to D.C. Something happened <laughs> between those two points, yes. you know, to get you to go across country like that. Yes. So I did um, use it a couple times and I liked it. It wasn't something that I did regularly. Um, And then I had a panic attack. And when that happened, um, I went and saw school counselors who prescribed me Xanax. Mm -hmm. And it was very similar to what I felt when I used cannabis, except when I used Xanax, I had no memory. So I wasn't stressed out about school, but I also couldn't remember what I was studying either. Mm. So that's when I kind of really figured out that there's something about cannabis that helps me without all the side effects of pharmaceuticals. But it moved you to it moved you beyond 
taking personal investment in cannabis and thinking there's a business move. Uh, You know, that I think even came further with kind of watching the people in the NFL with these brain injuries being trained to essentially be dangerous on the field. That's how you want them. And then in the off season, watching them still kind of, you can't just shift how you're trained. Same thing with military men. You can't just turn off the war and come back to America and it's normal. And in the NFL, I watched a lot of these guys in the off season. It seemed like they were losing their minds and, on top of it, they're being prescribed opioids and all other things that are messing up their brains even more. So that's kind of when a light bulb struck with me because in my MBA program, there's actually a lot of retired NFL athletes. And we had a speaking class and I heard them speak about their transition out of the NFL. And these were some of the most disturbing, gut-wrenching stories I had ever heard. And for me, that you've got to tell us some of these <laughs> yeah. stories. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> horrible story. Yeah, that's They're, horrible. I mean, it's essentially the same. Like the light goes off. You're no longer in the NFL. Drug abuse. Um, what about in the off season? Were they were a lot of players using cannabis quietly? Yeah, I think so. Even you know, in the NFL, they only test in the fall, or excuse me, in the spring during spring training, and then at the end of the season. So you kind of have to work the system around that because there are a lot of men who ended up with opioid addictions in the NFL and they didn't want to be addicted to it either. So you got to figure something out to treat the pain, help the insomnia. I think when it comes to um, sleep and mood swings, irritability, these are all things that can be regulated with cannabis. So these athletes who have these head traumas, instead of feeling like they're going crazy and that they can't find any relief, cannabis is absolutely a solution that has the least amount of side effects and I think a great deal of ef- efficacy to help them. What's the relationship between pain and cannabis like in the NFL that you've seen? Um, I think for a lot of men, it is there's a strong correlation there. And then for, a, a, I would say, equal proportion they do not believe in using drugs and they don't want to be anywhere near it they don't want to you know even prescription drugs they'll do prescription they'll, they'll, they'll drugs. They'll do I mean, prescription drugs. yeah the nfl they have plenty of opioids to give them but they will not a lot of them have a negative connotation about sure. cannabis yeah you know? i i worked at espn for a few years back in the late 90s and the fact of the matter is i, I wonder what you have to say about this they have an aversion to drugs like pot but drinking is encouraged. It is the it's the currency. Yes. You can't even function unless you don't drink. I put on twenty pounds being around all those ex athletes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Isn't that is that the deal? That, I mean, the drinking. It is well, one that's the gateway drug. <laughs> so <laughs> was it a gateway too? Doing worse. Yeah, I mean, I don't know too many people who consume cannabis and get violent. I just mm. don't. But alcohol. I mean, when you are already training to be violent, and then you put alcohol into the equation and then violence happens and that's why we see so many nfl athletes in the news mm. in the off season yeah you know um do you know neil brennan the comedian yeah he's yeah. really funny yeah he has a a line about ray rice and that whole incident and uh, it calls it playing football at the wrong time <laughs> i was just playing football at the wrong time and i'm sure alcohol encourages you to forget the right time to play football right not to make excuses for people but it correct <laughs> when i think about the nfl i think about the families that are impacted. Have you discovered how wives are coping with head injuries in the NFL? So the divorce rate is over 80%. So I, 
don't think they're coping <laughs> <laughs> because 85% was what I was told. So if I can get through to the wives about managing their brain injuries with cannabis, I can get through to them. But you do have conversations. Yes. What kind of stuff do you hear? Um, you know, they just have that stigma. I mean, especially I have a friend that um, her and her husband are Christian and in faith, and this is something that's bad to them. But, you know, you kind of have to remind them that this is a seed-bearing plant. And if you look at Genesis one twenty nine thirty, it talks about that as well. Oh, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I, I, I lost that stuff a while ago. I'm a bad person. You know, I'm a bad person, but I forgot that. What does that mean? Um, so there's actually um, a candidate a governor candidate in Oklahoma that used this as her platform. But Genesis 1, 29, 30 says that we have dominion over all seeds and trees that produce the fruit of those seeds. So cannabis is no exception. It's broccoli, kale, everything else that grows from this earth. You have to find people where they are. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Are you finding that there are people out there to advocate for these women who are enduring these relationships? And is that part of your goal? Your journey? Yeah, that's absolutely Something that's part of my goal is to help these families transition out of the NFL because they don't get a, you know, big circus and parade when they leave. Usually it's a phone call or you find out on the news that your career is over and to, you know, put brain injury on top of the fact that the thing that you've done your entire life is now gone. That's a lot of pressure on the woman and, um, yeah. and the family. So absolutely. So that your your experience is made you know that you wanted to be in business? Yes. I had an undergraduate degree in business. I love business. I love school and learning. So MBA was absolutely the path that I was going to go down. And I kind of had an inkling that I wanted to be in the cannabis industry. But again, I just didn't know in what aspect. There are so many business challenges of, of operating in this industry. You, you talked about marketing earlier. and One of the hard things about that is it must be so hard for a brand to try and stick out, in, especially in California now where a lot of people are growing some pretty good weed and, you know, it's in some pretty good cupcakes and candies and gummies and all that stuff. Like, how do you how do you stand out? How, how can what can a brand do to make people associate themselves with it and want to use it? Well, I think one of the big problems is that everybody's kind of making the same claims. They're not differentiating. And then um, they're either trying to be super different and cheap, which doesn't work. <laughs> You've got to kind of pick a lane. Do you want to be the cheap brand that succeeds or are the you value kind of a, brand. Yeah, the value brand? Yeah. Cost That's leader. Yeah, cost leader. <laughs> cost leader. That's even better. <laughs> <laughs> or do you want to be unique and different and stand out above the pack? So I think, honestly, the way to best do it is you've got to be unique and think outside of the box. You have to find somebody that can be creative and grab attention. MedMen does that extremely well. Mm. So you, you're now, you're a mom in, in Orange County. Mm -hmm. You know, California is obviously people know about cannabis and stuff like that. But do you feel like as, as a mom, the cannabis stigma is, is very much in place or you your fellow moms sort of curious about it and sort of intrigued? What does or? that look like? <laughs> so I do tell some parents in Orange County what I do, and then I get that judgmental look, and I'm just like, they probably don't want my kids to ever play <laughs> with their kids. And then I do have mothers that confide in me. Um, and it's actually a topic that I'm having this month that's 
my meeting on on March 28th is this is a woman grown a woman grown meeting. So we want to remove the stigma around parents who consume, but it's also a meeting to talk about children who are required to use cannabis and parents that are essentially risking their freedom by giving their children cannabis to live. Like kids with epilepsy? Epilepsy, cancer, autism, ADHD. I mean, <laughs> ADHD is not life-threatening, but for epilepsy and for children with cancer, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. There's a reputation Orange County has. It's not not necessarily <laughs> deserved, but I saw that look on your face. You know that reputation, I absolutely right? What is it to you? Uh, gosh, it's Reagan country. I mean... He absolutely hated cannabis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was a huge force in why we are where we're at today as far as um, prohibition goes. But I think the wave is changing in Orange County. I mean, they flipped every seat blue, right, um, right. which was a shock. So I think even with cannabis, they're kind of slowly starting to see due to the facts. We talk about how Orange County has changed you're not white. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're a Latina, but you are, yeah. like my daughter, a Latina. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, as someone who comes from an NFL marriage, you can have the means to be around people like that. But is it easy um, blending in, or does everyone look like you at this point in Orange County? No, I live in Irvine, so huge Asian population, mm-hmm. but they always ask me if I'm Asian, so apparently I look... <laughs> Somewhat Asian. So, no, I, I stick out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that play a role in your um, convening these conversations about cannabis or no? Uh, no. I mean, I think what it does is it helps. I give representation to, I would say, a lot of people in Orange County that don't have representation. You don't really see uh, minorities leading cannabis workshops mm-hmm. or talks or anything like that in Orange County. From where I'm coming from, um, my community black communities latino communities they demonize you know this plant because of what it's done to our communities. we never actually <laughs> talk about that on the show but the places do we i don't know the places where you'll find the most resistance to marijuana in a lot of places are these places of color yes Irv- irvine is, is very asian like like you said yes and one of the the communities where there's sort of the most resistance to legalization is in Ch- chinese communities mm-hmm. where memories of the the opium wars are are it was a, a hundred years of humiliation for for the chinese and that's part of the the national the national story and now that's very much taking effect in um chinese communities in north america as well how how do you see some some of the people from from east asia sort of reacting to legalization in general and your 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 pitches as well you know, I think it's similar to that of brown and black communities. They don't want to associate with it or have anything to do with the plant side. Now, I do think that they're interested in ancillary businesses, but they don't want to go. I mean, same thought process. Okay, interesting. Yeah. What are the ancillary businesses looking like down there? Do you know people who are working in them and building them? No, I do know there are people interested in like real estate wanting to know compliance mm-hmm. so that when these customers are coming in and looking for spaces, they know they have that competitive advantage. Okay, so what are you doing with the Cannabis Cutie? That's sort of your brand. Yeah, so with that, I'm educating. So I think that there's a huge gap between prohibition and legalization, and there's so much misinformation out there, and there's not really anybody that looks like me that can talk to my crowd, but also can relate to everyone. And that's kind of what I want to do to be able to get black and brown and the communities that were affected the hardest by the war on drugs to kind of speak the facts and for them to not, you know, 
think that I'm just feeding them BS. Yeah. I don't. I want them to understand that it's not the plant that's the issue. It was the laws about the plant that was the issue. When you're having a conversation where you change someone's mind, is there a pattern that's developed in terms of that happening? Well, I usually try to get them with some kind of facts that's going to shock them and want to like jump down that rabbit hole. Give me one. Um, so the government has a patent on CBD as a neuroprotectant and antioxidant. Um, and I grew up learning from D.A.R.E. in the government that cannabis harms brain cells, but they have a patent for protecting brain cells, CBD patent. So that's one. And then also... Which the, is currently not in use. No, it's not. Well, actually, you know, GW Pharma does have a drug, right, Epidiolex. Right, right. So I think... But that's not the government's patent that they're using, I don't think. Okay. Wait, I don't, GW Pharma, what are we talking about here? You guys are a little <laughs> over my head right now. So GW Pharma actually has a CBD drug that's Schedule 5. It's the only Schedule 5 CBD um, on the market. And it is forty, almost $40,000 a year, um, the prescription cost. Yeah, for and it's CBD. for kids with like severe epilepsy. Hmm. Yeah, so okay. and it has fillers like sugar yeah. and all types of stuff that just confuses the cannabis mm. industry. And when you come with the facts, people are just disarmed. Um, they are interested to learn more. They no longer believe that it's this horrible thing, especially when you bring up the fact that the word marijuana is a racist word and it entered our lexicon as a racist term. How do you, you don't. You know, one of those people who thinks that ship has sailed. Because I, I mean, I, I try to be as, <laughs> I try to be as progressive and malleable to all the changes in society. Yeah, but I feel like that one ain't going away. The word marijuana. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm gonna try my best to get rid of it. <laughs> no, language is funny, and marijuana yeah. is so entrenched. And I, I, I learned this racist history really late. Yeah, and I'm like. God, I'm going to be like the old conservative guy who's not going to stop saying Negro. <laughs> you, know? you know, I think once people understand the word marijuana, they will kind of be like, oh, no, I don't want to say that anymore. Tell me. Um, so the word marijuana, at the time, um, the godfather of prohibition, Harry Anslinger, needed to make hemp and cannabis illegal for these new industries, paper industry. Um, 3M had just invented nylon. Um, and hemp was a direct competitor. So in order to get the masses to agree that this had to go, they the word marijuana sounded exotic, and they wanted to blame immigrants <laughs> for this problem and black people, specifically jazz players, because that was the devil's music. And so they said this marijuana that these Mexicans are smoking and bringing in is what's causing white women to sleep with black men. And that is where the word came from, and that is how we know it. But scientifically, it is cannabis. Ooh, damn that Harry Ansinger. He's ruined <laughs> yeah. so many things. I love yeah. that word, but now I'm going to have to work. Although, <laughs> I, I will say, and I, I have even argued for this, that per, perhaps it is a word that could be could be reclaimed or re, reappropriated or th things like that. I'm... I think reasonable people can disagree. Yeah, I, I, I see. But, you know, that to the N word with the A at the end. I mean, I mean, you know, you can try to repurpose it, but we still can't forget the fact that it was brought in to do damage. And it did damage to communities that were already the lower echelons of society. So did we really need to do that? And I think if the word was cannabis, it wouldn't have gone as far as it had gone. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. You're you're in this right now. You're you're doing something you love, I assume. Mm -hmm. 
What do, you, what do you think you're doing two, three years from now? A lot of the conversation is like, we're looking at legalization in 2021. Mm-hmm. Where would you like to be in 2021? You know, for me, I really st- still want to be on the forefront as one of the talking heads, mm-hmm. kind of staying current with the news and making sure that people understand. And I do want to teach. That's kind of a goal of mine is to um, actually teach MBA students about how to help other businesses in this industry or for yourself, if that's the avenue that you're going down. But I think that is missing from a lot of the curriculum in higher education that do have cannabis courses. You know, there's classes for cultivation, for health, physiology, um, botany, but there's not really any business strategy courses. Hmm. Um, So I do an event every month, educational event every month, the last Thursday. Um, So that's kind of what I'm working on right now. The Women Grow events, is that what you're talking yes. about? Okay, and where are they? Where are they these are held at a dispensary in Santa Ana called Cannabis Works, and they actually have an educational wellness center that we do our meetings out of. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so there, okay, since you mentioned Santa Ana, I, I have to mention <laughs> it, and then, then I think we, we have to probably wrap up. But one of my favorite sort of dispensary stories ever was with, I guess, a gray market dispensary in Santa Ana where about three or four years ago, the cops raided it and behaved just awfully. Like there was a, there was a woman who was, who had her leg amputated and they sort of mocked her. They just behaved like asses Mm -hmm. and they disabled all the the cameras before, before they did this. And then, but they didn't disable one. And then (laughs) they, then they argued in court that they shouldn't be held responsible for what that camera had um, caught because they thought they had disabled all the cameras. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and there were other absurdities to it mm. as well. And I, I think that dispensary is no longer with us. Well, we got an opportunity but, to talk about or, the police in Orange County. That's always <laughs> a good thing. That's a whole nother that episode. To, that used to be a horrifying thing. I'm not sure what it's like now, but it used to be the, a terror in the Orange Curtain, as yes, they used the to call Orange it. Curtain. Yeah. Yes, the Orange Curtain. Yeah. Orange Curtain. Yeah. Interesting. That's our show for today. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Weed Week News or email us at hello at weedweek.net. Tell us how your neighbors feel about your cannabis use. Also, don't forget to show us some love on iTunes by giving us a rating and leaving us a five-star review. It means a lot to the show, helps new people find us. For lots more cannabis news, you can sign up for our free newsletters, Weed Week, Weed Week Canada, and Weed Week California, all at weedweek.net. I'm Alex Halpern. Our producers, Hannah Smith and Alicia Byer, wrote our theme music. Additional music is from the late, great Andre Bush. See you here next week. Bye. Bye.